0: Hello, and welcome to episode four of All Rings Considered, a read-through The Lord of the Rings. I am Pip, and with me is... Charlie. And today, we are talking about chapter four, A Shortcut to Mushrooms. This is a very short chapter, and so this will be a very short episode, Um, but let's get to it. Don't sound
1: sound too eager to get out of here, Pip. (laughs) Let's
0: let's, let's get this done. (laughs) Um, Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap
1: this up. Okay. (laughs) Good, hey, uh, Hey! Uh, good episode.
0: Yeah, I think... It, that was good. You know, All right, well, I'll see great.
1: you next week. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, well, okay.
0: Um, but yeah, so uh, in this episode, or in this uh, chapter, Frodo, Sam, and Pippin are walking through uh, towards Buckland, and they they wake from their experience with the elves, and they take a shortcut to stay off the road to avoid the Black Riders, and they end up at Farmer Maggot's house. And after having dinner with him, they go back out into the road at night and they meet up with Mary on the road.
1: So Pip, this chapter, it's actually really a short, like jokes aside, actually it's about 10 pages long. There aren't too many big events in this chapter, so I actually don't really anticipate a whole lot of conversation. To start with, let's go ahead and just start. Was there any highlights in this chapter that you picked out? Anything that really stuck out to you? I only, I'll be honest, because I think I only, Uh, highlighted three things total (laughs) i think i'm looking at this this is by my least marked up chapter in this book
0: sure yeah i mean i think one thing that stands out to me is just sort of the the ominousness the threat of the black riders and i think that's kind of a, a nice little point here in this chapter i like the way that when frodo is going out onto this open field he looks back up at the top of the hill and expects to see a darkened figure up at the top, far away, but doesn't see it, and just that sort of feeling that you can have when you're expecting something, or you have that feeling of dread where you just start to see or imagine things where they're not.
1: And was it was it in the last chapter when he when he did turn around and they did look up on the ridge and and there was one up there? I I know last I episode think we actually, actually was in this chapter. Okay, because so I remember last episode we didn't discuss the writers very much, but that was like one image. What, are you, I think that was the last chapter though I don't maybe um,
0: I'm not really sure.
1: If so, I totally miss highlighting it. But yeah, there is something I do love the creepiness of these early chapters, and it's it's this interesting contrast between this sort of idyllic shire and these creepy, terrifying things. For me, one of the something I highlighted here regarding the writers was that. We see in this chapter, again, another song they sing, and it's about drinking. But regardless, after they sing, all of a sudden they, they stop because they hear the black writers, like, cry. Some kind of creepy, piercing, sharp cry. And I there's been a pattern then. Like, at this point, I've noticed this pattern where when they sing, they often get interrupted by black writers, <laughs> This, this seems to come up a good bit. Last chapter, we saw it when they sang the, the the walking song, and that was when Frodo said, like, oh, hush, I hear hoofs, like, let's get off the road. And and then uh, they look to see, and it, it looks like a black rider's there, and the elves come and basically chase it off, essentially, not knowingly, but... Yeah, that, yeah, that there's is something There's something going on there about, like, they sing, riders come, or at least riders are it, heard.
0: It's as if the merriment itself is something that wounds these writers and it almost but it know, seems to be a, them as a... a but it almost
1: is more attracting them though.
0: R- yeah. Or at least I, like... But I mean sort of like in the way that it's a, an affront to them in a way so that it's it mm. kind of almost demands a response.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. One thing I just thought about with this question of the songs and the black writers and what you just said about the songs sort of offending them and wounding them there is a possible parallel here to the old English epic poem Beowulf where the monster Grendel is said to be offended by the singing that goes on in the hall of the men and that's what drives him to attack them. Uh, oh, in that's that interesting. Poem. And I wonder if there's something going on there. Obviously, talking with a professor of, of in old English literature so he would know that he obviously knew that poem very well.
0: Yeah, we'll have to keep a look out. The next time that there's some singing or or poems going on. One thing I'll say that I did like about the chapter, just a, a small funny thing, is that it's interesting how Frodo and Sam and Pippin come up on Farmer Maggot's Land and... Frodo's immediately very nervous because thirty some years ago when he was a, a young hobbit he was caught several times stealing mushrooms from Farmer Maggot and he's still he's worried that he'll sick his dogs on him and the dogs will eat him and or at least he holds a grudge. And it's actually it's it's funny when it happens and then but I think it actually says something interesting, sort of about the theme of the transition that they're making right now, where they get to Farmer Maggot's house and he you know, remembers Frodo, and he kind of jabs, you know, makes fun at him for, you know, be about the mushrooms. And uh, Farmer Maggot has, you know, hosts the Hobbits and gives them beer and dinner. And it's kind of a nice transition from the sort of things that used to concern the Hobbits in in the Shire to things that are more serious. Farmer Maggot doesn't really care about, you know, a, a young Hobbit stealing mushrooms thirty years ago because things that used to conflicts that the hobbits used to be accustomed to are now sort of irrelevant they're dealing with bigger things
1: yeah i like that yeah well um with that i don't really have much more to say about this Do you want to just dive into favorite lines and then wrap it up
0: sure let's do that so i think my favorite line is that line about that you mentioned about the cry of the black rider it's a long drawn whale came down the wind like the cry of some evil and lonely creature it rose and fell and ended on a high-piercing note. Even as this, they sat and stood, as if suddenly frozen, it answered by another cry, fainter and further off, but no less chilling to the blood. And I think, just think that's very—I don't know—very creepy. Um, yeah. It seems. I mean, it's—it's. It's, they do a great deal about it not being. It's not a ferocious battle cry. It's some sort of unearthly, mysterious, and ominous thing. I, I quite like that about how the writer's been characterized. Yeah, nice. And what about you, Charlie? What's your favorite line?
1: Yeah, my favorite comes... It's actually a little paragraph that Sam says when Frodo asked him if he still feels the need to leave the Shire now that he has already seen some elves. And before it was established that his only... Or at least his... his one of his key motivations was to see elves. And now that he's done that, Okay, what next? And Sam says this. I don't know how to say it, but after last night, I feel different. I seem to see ahead in a kind of way. I know we are going to take a very long road into darkness, but I know I can't turn back. It isn't to see elves now, nor dragons, nor mountains that I want. I don't rightly know what I want, but I have something to do before the end, and it lies ahead, not in the shire. I must see it through, sir, if you understand me. And I really like this paragraph because I think it's just something really relatable. I think it's one of those times when you can think about how, oh, like I, the reader, have also been in situations when I knew I was going to have to go through something bad and I sort of had to find this strength inside me that there's something I, I need to do in doing that, right? Absolutely. And that's what's going to give me sort of comfort and motivation. So I think it's relatable. I think it's also the first sign... It's, it's, it's the first instance of Sam not being a total like, doofus uh, <laughs> in some of these chapters, right? I mean, he's, he's, he has those moments when he clearly is the smarter of those hobbits that sit around and just talk nonsense about about the outside world. And he clearly is a little smarter than them. But otherwise, he's often portrayed as kind of silly and, and dopey. And so it's nice for him to get this moment when he, has, he he's well-spoken and he has a lot of strength and it's sort of a sign of things to come, I think, because as the book goes on, he he clearly becomes a lot less dopey uh, right. and much more admirable. And here's our first sign of it. So. All right. Well, with that being said, that does it for Shortcut to Mushrooms, Chapter 4. We'll see you next week for Chapter 5, A Conspiracy Unmasked.